Lightsabers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast. Matt, why don't you tell the people what we're talking about today? We're talking about bodies, bodies, bodies. Yep, that's it. Matt's most anticipated movie of probably the last decade is a <laughs> comedy thriller, I would say. Maybe not a comedy horror as it was maybe uh, advertised to be from Helena Rain. We're going to get to talking about that in just a second. We have a brief weekly watch list for you. Matt, why don't you tell us what you've been watching this week? So besides bodies, 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 I'm going to keep saying it like that for the rest of the pod. Ugh, um, I watched Synecdoche, New York. <laughs> the Charlie Kaufman film featuring Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I got to say, much like any other Charlie Kaufman film, did I know what was going on during this movie? No, not really. Did I feel something while watching this movie? You know it. <laughs> I would say that's even his trippiest, most abstract movie. It's about a theater director who's like depressed um, and like his dealings with the women in his life and how in his family life and like how his work essentially makes him absent from his personal life. But it's also told and from his perspective, which is very unreliable and it is trippy it devolves into a point where like when he's creating his play and he has like people playing other people while he's still interacting with those people and it's just i i could not do any justice to describe it unless you just go and check this out for yourself if you like charlie kaufman and his work then definitely recommend it and philip seymour hoffman kills it as always yeah if you're a fan of synecdoche new york you should check out charlie kaufman's first novel ant kind it is similarly you don't really know what's going on, but so much of it is great, so I recommend that. Tyler, what about you? I watched the movie Fall, which you also saw, so I'll let you talk on that. <laughs> okay. Well, here's what Fall is about. Pretty simple. The, in the beginning, there's a tragic climate accident involving two women and one man. You know that going in. About a year later, the two women seek to conquer their newfound fears of climbing by ascending a 2,000-foot rusty radio tower in the middle of the desert. What? That's a real movie. However, when they reach the top, the ladder falls off the tower because it's rusty, and they <laughs> must survive as they try to attract help and get saved. That's the movie. Uh, when Tyler and I saw this, it was... 10 p.m. at night, and it was the most eclectic group of moviegoers I've ever seen in my life. There was a shocking amount of people going to see Fall at 10 p.m. at night in that theater. Yes, I check the movie schedule most every day, uh, which is unhealthy, but I do. And I had heard about the movie like three days prior to seeing it. I had no idea that this thing existed. This was a spur-of-the-moment decision, but apparently everybody else in the city knew that this was going on and they had to go at 10 p.m. to see the movie. I remember seeing the trailer like a month or two back, but then nothing else about it, no fanfare or nothing for well, basically here's... until I saw it was out. And then I was like, nah, screw that. I'm seeing bodies, bodies, bodies. We saw both. And I'll, I'll tell you at the end of the episode which one I liked better. But this is directed by Scott Mann, written by Mann and Jonathan Frank. Tyler, this movie is bonkers. 
it's very visceral. I think it's very successful at the thrills aspect, like communicating how high up the women are. I think that's really great and thrilling, and I totally enjoy that. The screenplay and the acting are not great. No, and not. I'm not trying to bash the actors. They were not put in any position to succeed. This thing is melodramatic. It's cliche. It doesn't make a ton of sense. They're like, once they get atop the tower, the screenplay is pretty stuck because they're just in one really small location. Yeah, so, I, go ahead. From thinking, from the little I knew about this movie beforehand, I thought this was going to be, it's kind of a spoiler, of them climbing to the top and then ha- them having the treacherous climb down. It's not. They're just no. stuck at the top. Yeah. The <laughs> so they have to add twists that come out of nowhere and different subplots. And also, I just, a little PSA. Vultures are unfairly vilified in this movie. They act like vultures are the worst creatures on the entire earth and they do everything they do out of maliciousness. That, that is, it, it, they literally act like vultures just do things just to antagonize people. Yes. Like they have no other function than just to make you have a bad day. Wait, do they not? They don't, in fact. No, they just go and eat dead things. <laughs> That's what they do. They don't, like, attack people just because. Right. You, you're telling me Alfred Hitchcock was wrong? Those aren't vultures. Those are crows. But birds is birds. No, they are not, because in this movie, when this is not a spoiler, and if you don't want to know a single thing about the movie, go ahead and fast forward, but when the women first like drive up to the tower, they notice vultures eating, I don't remember what kind of, but it was like a, a medium-sized desert mammal, and vultures are eating its body, and they're like, oh my god, that thing is still alive, so they shoo away the vultures, Thinking that they're helping the creature, but now it's just there, half alive on the ground. Yeah, it's I was awful. About that. Now, having said all that, Fall is supremely entertaining. I squirmed and laughed more than I have in a movie theater in quite a while. So, hats off so to much. Fall. It was. All right, now for the main event. We're going to talk about bodies, bodies, bodies. Or I'll probably be calling it Triple B or BBB from now on. Here's what it's about. We have a hurricane coming. So some young rich friends, like 20-somethings with one exception, gather at one of the family mansions, their family mansions, and play a fake murder party game, like an identify the killer game. But when one of them really winds up dead, they have to find out who the killer is. Directed by Helena Rain, written by Sarah DeLapp, and with the story by Kristen Ropenian. Matt, what were your thoughts on this movie? I'll tell you what. You didn't lie when you said this was one of my most anticipated movies of this year. It started out, I, I will admit, it started out ironically, but then as it got closer, I hyped it up and hyped it up. I was so excited for this movie, and I did have a lot of fun with it. I did have a bit of an issue like I had with Joker where I hyped it up so much that the final product, I don't want to say it was underwhelming, but it didn't hit quite as hard as I would have probably liked, but that is 100% not the movie's fault. I did have a lot of fun with it. Like you said, it does lean more into like the comedy, sort of whodunit murder mystery side of things than really like the slasher horror like it was marketed as. Chalked it up to A24's marketing team. Mm -hmm. Again, not the movie's fault. I thought it was cleverly written. 
pretty well acted and directed for such a simple setup. Um, and I thought the ending is really what made it for me. Like, I was just having a lot of silly fun throughout the movie, and then the ending it really made me think a little bit and rethink all of the events that happened. And I thought about this movie for a good few days after seeing it. Overall, my biggest struggle with this is who I would recommend it to. Because I feel like you need to be on a really specific wavelength to really to really enjoy and grasp this movie throughout. I know several people who I would not recommend this movie to. Either because it's just not their type of humor. And I get that. I respect that. Or... They just, because it dives so deep into the Gen Z, the, like the Gen Z aesthetic and slang terms and terminology and culture, the Gen Z sort of culture, I feel like anyone not in tune with that stuff would feel a bit alienated by this. But all said, I didn't really enjoy it. All right, Tyler, what'd you think? So this was a movie I saw. <laughs> That's basically my thought on it. Um, it was... I thought it was going to be terrible, so it wasn't terrible. I'll give it that. It was better than I was expecting because the trailers made it look like it was some just Gen Z, like, oh, look at these funny things these people are saying, like, and it wasn't as bad. But at the same time, this is a movie that felt like it was made just for the ending, and the ending was good. I liked the ending, but the ending was not worth the movie. Um, I don't think the buildup was that... I, I, I... it was only an hour and a half. It felt like a long hour and a half. And, like, it still felt like it was drag- dragged out and, like, there was stuff that could be cut out. Which is pretty bad when you have an hour and a half film that, like, you still feel like there's filler in here. And I, I just, I didn't really care. I mean, I guess that was the point not to really care about the people, but I didn't care about anyone in this movie. I did not care. So, like, nothing really shocked me or grabbed me or anything. And then the ending, I was like, oh, crazy. And that was basically it. Like, I just did not get invested in this movie. Yeah, I'm going to agree with what most of you said. Both made good points. The thing for me is, similar to you, Tyler, I was kind of dreading this as much as you can dread a movie. But for a movie about running around a dark house with a killer loose and there's a hurricane raging outside, I just didn't find this very entertaining. It had a decent setup. Um, there's some pretty good gags, but then it just kind of sags the rest of the time. It's very, very successful at one thing, reflecting the way that in certain friend groups, especially at a certain young age, everyone is like simultaneously everyone's worst enemy and best friend and, and allegiances change all the time. People are petty. They're like slyly insulting each other while they're like putting on a face of being nice. It's very good at reflecting those dynamics in the cast feels very natural like they are an old friend group Tyler as you mentioned about not caring about these people I think they're interesting and well when they're together but take any of them isolated and you're right I I just didn't really I don't I don't want to say they felt empty but I didn't really care about anybody individually so I have to agree there one of my kind of issues is that the murder stuff plays second fiddle to the relationship drama, which is fine. That that can work. Um, you know, murder mystery can be a frame for a relationship drama. I just didn't think they pulled it off with this one, right? The focus is so much on the friendship fighting, but it doesn't entirely make sense in the context 
of we think that there's a killer in the house who is still loose and might kill one of us, right? I just didn't think the people in this movie were acting afraid enough knowing that there's this imminent danger in an enclosed space with them. You know, listeners of the show, you've heard us talk ad nauseum about this movie. Like I said, I expected it to hate it more, but at least be engaged by it. And my actual reaction was the opposite. I don't hate it. I think there are some good things about it, but I was pretty bored by it. I recommend this more if you like intense friendship fights and sort of arguments with some murders thrown in. Matt, you mentioned this doesn't lean into the slasher genre. And again, that's not the movie's fault at all. But I don't think this is a slasher at all. Like, I, I just, I don't think that fits the mold whatsoever. Like you said, it's more of a whodunit. One thing, though, one strength, of which there are a few, great cast. And I want to ask you guys, you know, these are all mostly young people in this movie, mid-20s or so, with the exception of Lee Pace, who's meant to be older. Do you think this is going to be one of those movies, for instance, like The Talented Mr. Ripley, where you catch a lot of young actors at one time who are all going to go on to have really great careers? Do you think this has that potential? I, I think so. Some of them have already... Some of them have already had some strong performances, including Maria Bakalova, Rachel Sinote. Um, apologies if I said that wrong. Uh, among others, with Shiva Baby and the Borat sequel movie film, we're not going to talk about the bubble. Um, Please don't. I think, uh, you know, I think this is just a vehicle for them to have fun with. I mean, I don't, it's definitely not going to win them any awards, but I think it's good exposure for them nonetheless. Yeah, I think they're all used very well, and the characters that they play really uh, focus on their strengths. We have like Amanda Stenberg here, who is Sophie, and she's already a star in her own right. She was star of The Hate You Give. She was a very good part of Dear Evan Hansen last year in a movie that was not super great, but she stood out. Like you said, Maria Bakalova, I find her very interesting, or at least her career. I think she's a very good actress. You know, getting an Oscar nomination for Borat's subsequent movie film, that's very fascinating to me because that one really feels like a consequence of buzz and the Oscars being late in the season. Like, I think it's deserved. However, I also think if she had not been nominated at other awards bodies throughout the season, there's no way that the Academy is touching that one. Well, same without that. Well, same if King of Staten Island came out later in the year. No, no that would never would have happened. No, thank you. I, I, I liked that, that movie. Okay, I thought Pete was great in it. I think it's okay, uh, and like you said, the but we have Maya Harold as Jordan. She was very good. She was in a, a comedy film Plan B recently. I liked her a lot. Uh, Chase We Wonders as Emma. She was very good at playing like this character that. Everyone makes fun of for being sensitive, but then they say her feelings aren't real because she's an actress. I hadn't seen her before. Had you guys done anything? Not that I can think of. No, I think she's going to be attached to a lot of projects going forward. Uh, and then Rachel Sennett, again, I apologize if I'm saying it wrong, um, as Alice here. She was dynamite in Shiva Baby last year, last year or the year before, I, I think one of the best comedic performances, one of the funniest movies I have seen in the last couple of years. So I, I think I really wish all this cast well. Um, I even think 
Pete Davidson is used well here. I think Helena Rain like saw the sort of persona he has and use that well like the character that he's playing is you know charming to the group but he's also very like aggressive and tension seeking and i'm not saying that's who pete davidson is i'm just saying that 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 was a good use of the persona and then lee pace i I don't know he was one of my favorite parts of a movie that i didn't like very much yeah uh let me ask you guys this because it's all over the advertising. They take the paintbrush and they roll right over it. Is this movie too Gen Z? Was it too much for you guys? I, I don't think it was too much. It was much better than the advertisement said. I think they kind of poked fun at it. But also they didn't make them the butt of the joke almost. Like it was more them just kind of... It was more the failures of the characters than as, like, a generation entirely. And they just kind of wove the Gen Z kind of lexicon into that. Whereas the trailers made it seem like they're like, Haha, look at these funny people saying these words. Like, that's like... I, was, I As much as I love A24 and some of the things, some of their move marketing is atrocious <coughs> lamb. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I just sometimes think they just have a really bad... Which, maybe sometimes they're not the ones doing the marketing. Really bad or really good. So, yeah. Depends on how you look at it. Because they made they made Lamb look much better than what it That's ended up true. being. That's true. They did make Lamb an anticipated movie. And that movie was ass. So, fair enough. Their marketing's good. It's just not good in the sense that they're showing you what you're going to get. I, um, I didn't think it was too much either. I thought, in the context of the movie, it all felt very organic. Like, it... For for what it was, I mean, obviously there's a lot of silly slang terms and stuff, and I was cracking up at a lot of it. Um, but in the context of the characters, I thought it felt relatively organic. Um, I just kind of i I knew it going into it just from the trailer. I'm like, I'm just gonna have to bask in some Gen Z silliness to appreciate this movie, and which I did. I yeah, I think it it wasn't too much. It was maybe like a a hair more than I wanted. You know, we're getting a lot of these. I mentioned the movie Not Okay a couple of episodes ago, and that one was really like drenched in like, this is just an impression. And I think that, you know, there's something like, I was thinking about, for instance, Cha Cha Real Smooth, which is a movie I didn't like at all. However... You know, it was made by a filmmaker who is of this age about characters who are mostly his age. And I appreciate that film for, like, not trying to be, like, a generational statement, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just kind of about a guy who is that age, and he just kind of lives his life. And it is colored by the modern age. Um, I, I think this movie is kind of somewhere in between the not okays and the cha-cha real smooths and and that's fine because <laughs> what, i think i know because <laughs> i think this movie does it is it just has a different goal it is aiming a little bit i think to say something about this tell me guys if you agree because this was my experience as i mentioned before one of my biggest issues is that the characters kind of just like seem to forget that they're in the middle of a murder mystery in the middle of this, um, I, which I think may have been part of the statement that is being made. 
these are characters who are not just Gen Zers, but they're very wealthy Gen Zers. And they're not only very wealthy Gen Zers, they're generationally wealthy. They have not made any of their own money. They've inherited this stuff. And I was wondering, thinking that maybe this movie was trying to say something about inheritance of this certain trait that we see in generations over and over again, where instead of solving the issues that seem most important, that groups in power usually just like yell and attack at each other, right? In the same way that instead of like, okay, let's try to figure out like what may have happened to this dead person. It's like, oh, you, you were making fun of my podcast and oh, I don't like that you went to rehab and wrote poetry. So it did feel like this. That is another thing that they're getting from the older generations is that tendency to forego the actual issue and instead just like, argue with each other all the time i might be reaching too far with that but that's what i was thinking no that's that's kind of what i got it from it too it's like it, it it's these characters that are maybe they're supposed to feel kind of empty because they're so self-absorbed with their own dramas and their beef with each other and you're mm -hmm. right they do kind of lose track of the issue at hand amongst all their other petty squabbles for <laughs> to use a very not gen z term <laughs> for these <it>. squabbles <laughs> That's the new name of the pod. Petty Squabbles. Petty Squabbles. <laughs> I think it's a smart move in the screenplay. But again, my issue is, is that it sacrifices the entertainment factor of the movie. It very much teases you with this whodunit. And like, they do try to figure out who the killer is. It's not like it's absent. But I, I just feel like it could have better combined the depth with the entertainment factor. The making fun of the language, you guys were absolutely right. It was not as bad as they made it seem in the trailer, which again, I'm not sure if that's good advertising or bad. I couldn't like 100% get on board with it. I, I, If the target of the jokes, right, we do have a scene where uh, David, Pete Davidson's character, is making fun of Emma for like using the term gaslighting even though she doesn't really know what it means and it's kind of in a petty situation that they're in so if the target of the jokes is that like these people don't know how to actually deal with issues or they're just like regurgitating stuff because they spend so much time online i can see that but i like i felt like the terms themselves also kind of got mixed in with the target and that's what I, I kind of don't understand. Does that track with you guys, or am I off? I, I think they all just kind of use the terms, because that's terms they've heard. I think they were all kind of guilty of what, like, Pete Davidson's character accused Emma of. Yeah. Like, when when uh, the character Alice, when she's talking about being an ally and all that, while doing very opposite of ally actions... Like, I think it was lampooning not just the generation, but, yeah, kind of how the generation uses some of these terms. I think that was intentional. I think so, too. I just think it gets a little bit messy because, I don't know, maybe I'm just wrong with the intentionality, but it almost seems as though there is some being made fun of of the terms themselves, which I just don't get because... Yeah, some these terms are overused often, and sometimes they're used by people who don't fully sort of um, aren't fully aware of how they what they mean in the context. But at the same time, like at, like language evolves, we come up with new terms 
because they can describe things better than we were previously able to do. So again, I'm not saying the movie is fully making fun of the terms, but I, th- I thought it got a little messy. No, I, I could I could see that if someone was watching that movie and they kind of misinterpreted the intention of, for instance, that ga- the gaslighting scene where he's talking about it. If they took that and ran with it, if someone, a viewer, took that and ran with it and it perpetuated the notion that, like, gaslighting isn't a thing and it's an invalid phrase like that, I don't think that was the intention, but I could see... If that got mixed up, it could be potentially harmful. Yeah, I guess I'm waiting in a movie for somebody to use one of these terms and like have it not be treated as ridiculous, if you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I it, think uh, gaslighting lost its 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 like oomph when uh, they <laughs> used it in uh, what was that show on uh, Amazon about? I don't know. Lucille Ball. Being the Ricardos? The show or the movie? Yeah, being the Ricardos. A movie. I, well, the main strength of the term gaslighting was oomph, so once it lost yeah, the well, oomph... Well, it was... No, I mean, they used it in a thing that was set before the movie <laughs> no, Gaslighting now, came out. <laughs> now Gaslighting is just mid. It's mild. Now it, it I don't know. It's lost all its meaning. Did that kill Gaslighting? Like, how many people were watching Being the Ricardos? <laughs> I, mean, I remember there was a lot of thing on that. So it's just kind of like, this is just being used too much now. <laughs> like... I'm pretty sure more people saw this movie than saw Being the Ricardos. I'd be very curious to see how many people watch that. Yeah, if just... it was on Netflix, there would have been six billion hours watched of it. So. <laughs> you guys ready for spoilers for BBB? Ready for spoilers. I'm ready for right. bodies, bodies, bodies. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. The Better Business Bureau. <laughs> Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, Please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. I think the beginning of this movie is probably the strongest part for me. Uh, as I mentioned before with like the the group in dynamics and like people love each other and they hate each other, you know, in the course of five minutes. I really like the dance scene and all the sort of like party games because, you know, when people are dancing, maybe they're getting a little too close to each other. They're switching partners. Everybody's got to like worry about who's dancing with who. And I thought that was a really great way to show those like mixed resentments and affections and stuff like that. Have you guys ever played the game where you smack people in the face before (laughs) you take a shot? I can't say I have. No, I haven't either. I also didn't go to a lot of parties, so I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> that could have been well, that could have been a very popular party game at the parties I was never invited to. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that is uh, not not really a party I want to be at. Hey, you want to get smacked in the face and then take a shot? Mm, no, not not really. I did think it was a nice. Again, it was like. It was like it was a vehicle for some sort of violent catharsis of like that was because the whole time, even when these people hate each other, they're like they have pasted smiles on. So that was like probably the nicest way they could go about getting out their aggressions on other people, which one of them did, which one of them. Yes, very much did. Uh, David punches Greg in the face, which leads to the. The knockoff Goodfellas scene, when he says, "What the best?" I, I'm gonna get them mixed up. The best offense is a good defense, or is it the other way around? The best defense is a good offense. The best he said. defense is yeah, and then the 
What do you mean by that? What do you, what do you mean? What do you, I'm a funny guy? Funny how? Like, it was just, like, that's all I could think about when that scene was going on. I did think that was a nice red herring that they set up, you know, the aggression between those two guys, because when David is the first person who ends up dead, there is that suspicion. And then at one point, what did, when do they, I forget when they determine that he's a vet. Because that was another Oh, the veterinarian? Area. Yeah. Yeah. That... I have to say, this movie, I'm not going to criticize its humor too much because it just wasn't for me. I laughed at like two things in this movie and I don't even remember what one of them was. There was one really great line though, late in the film. I did not think all the red herrings worked out here. For instance, in the beginning, you know, we have our sort of POV character is B, played by Maria Bakalova, because she is the non-wealthy person and the new person who's coming to party with all these people. Um, She's the girlfriend of Sophie. And she gets, like, warnings in the beginning about, like, oh, look out for Sophie. Is she... Did you see her... All that kind of stuff. I thought there was never really any payoff for that. I I thought there was. I mean, it slowly came out over time about how she was, like, an addict and then went to rehab and then ghosted all her friends while she was in rehab and stuff. Yeah, that's fair. I just, like, in the moment... I guess they made it seem like she was doing something violently wrong when she wasn't. Well, and in their bubbles, to like their self-absorbed bubbles, that probably was a big, bigger deal than it was. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I accept that. Yeah, that's a good argument. But the one that really kind of bothered me was... So we'll talk about the Greg scene. So Greg goes up to bed early because he's annoyed that he's like just being antagonized the whole time by David. And so Greg goes off on his own and then they find him later, like in the indoor basketball court. Right. (laughs) And he's kind of acting suspicious because all the women are surrounding him. And then he's killed by B, which I don't did like, did they need to kill him in the moments? This is where it starts to set up the, uh, the ramifications of like the paranoia setting in which will which kind of comes to a head later like i think that they genuinely thought that he was the killer that's fine in like the moment when she hits him with the weight and when he grabs the knife and all that stuff yeah but like afterward once they pretty much realize that there's no definitive evidence that he did it everyone's like a little too subdued i just thought the energy really died Right after that happened. And then uh, B throws up on her shirt. And Sophie tells her, go change your shirt. I don't understand that at all. You just killed somebody. We're not sure if he was the killer. There might still be somebody in the house. We're all together, but you should go off on your own to change your shirt. I didn't get that at all. Maybe that was just another red herring thrown in there. Maybe not one of the more effective ones, but... But I like you can't have a red herring if it doesn't make sense with what the character is doing, which is what B does next when she like puts on a shirt, puts on a nice sweater, and puts on makeup. Which ha- yeah, there's no reason for that. I didn't get that either. Had she done that in the beginning of the party, like even snuck into somebody's room to put on something nice because she wants to impress everybody, that would have made total sense. But she like just murdered a man who she isn't sure did anything wrong. And then, like, I don't know, it was just kind of odd. Yeah, like, 
there yeah. might be a killer still loose in her mind. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go alone and start putting on makeup and <laughs> changing all nice. I mean, I guess you can kind of blame it on like, oh, the hysteria. People are acting weird. I just, it didn't, it didn't totally work for me. And the, the, the second act pretty much didn't totally work for me either. Because after that, they just kind of like wander around the house on their own and like have different individual conflicts and uh, like i don't i feel like we just lost the premise of the movie here that that dragged for me uh, matt what did you think about it well i think that you know these interpersonal conflicts yeah they did kind of take over for the whole whodunit slasher angle but i i found them compelling enough myself yeah and it, like the mystery is there i'm not trying to say like there's zero energy but it, and it was like a smart move if you're talking about the implications of their interpersonal relationships. Just didn't, didn't totally lock in story-wise for me. I did like B's story of her wanting to impress Sophie. So she pretended that you know she wasn't laid off from her job and not taking care of her mom and all that stuff. I thought that was pretty effective. I wasn't like blown away by it because again it was just kind of like in the middle of this strange situation but I liked it. Were you guys hurt when they were making fun of podcast creators and really <laughs> yeah, just going to town? Good. I mean it, I, I walked out of the theater. <laughs> I mean if you're gonna start a podcast you kind of got to have thick skin about people making fun of podcasts. I mean they do it in movies so much these days. Yeah, they do. And what was what was the topic of her podcast? Just like having her friends on. I would like to listen to that. Yeah, I'm mean, hear an episode. Yeah. Uh, resident gun expert Tyler Sutkus. Did it make sense when Alice was shot in the pylon? Um. Yeah. The if your finger's in the trigger while you're struggling with it, it's, it's going to go off. Okay. It could have went off. Well, basically. good. I'm glad that checks you out. Sure, you sure the bullet was in the right spot in the chamber to fire properly and they didn't pack the... Yeah, the semi-automatic pistol. You sure they, yeah, you sure so they packed it always the... always is if it's single. You sure they... I mean, I don't know. What, what movie did I have a problem with this for? Bullet Train. Uh, bullet Train. Our last <laughs> no, episode. I, the, the bullet was in the right. I, I said it was in the right chamber. In the end, we learned that David killed himself accidentally with the sword i thought this was clever um you know it's a a whodunit without a who you know he, he did it accidentally to himself it's nice it plays on you know just the growing hysteria and all that stuff of the story i'm not gonna say it made the movie for me but it, it was it was a good it was a clever twist so i appreciated that i i agree i thought it was pretty clever did it make you rethink the movie? Are you like, oh, I have to go back and watch this now, knowing that he accidentally killed himself? I mean, I'm not in a rush to go back and watch it, but it did make me rethink the context of a lot of the stuff that happened, especially now that we know that everything was just conveniently placed accidents. Yeah, but I think that's all it. I think it's pretty skin deep. Like, I know they're accidents. I don't need to go back and be like, oh my god. Like, I, it solves itself right away. Like... Once you know it's an accident, you get the whole story. You don't need to, like, go back and see, like, oh, I should have known there, and I should have known there, like, you know, with some... I mean, I would just go back to it just to bask in the silliness of it, because I, 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 I was having fun with, with the aesthetic and just the setup of all of it. Let me ask you this. 
if you're in that situation, let's say you're Alice or you're B. Well, B goes out in the storm at one point. Would you just risk it and walk through the storm to safety? Or would you stay in the house? I mean, she had Sophie that she was worried about. So, I mean, I could see that kind of being a reason for her to stay. All right, let's say if you're Emma and your boyfriend's already dead, are you staying or leaving? Probably leaving. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd leave. (laughs) See you guys. Sorry, this is crazy. Fun fact, this was originally supposed to be, I think, rewritten and directed by Chloe Okuno, whose movie Watcher came out this year. We saw it, and I think she made the right move by doing that movie because she did a great job with that. Any final thoughts on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Go ahead. You guys go first. I wish it was better, better, better. I I liked it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm pretty. There's not much more I can say that I didn't say at the top of the segment. So, um, sort of a middling recommend. Recommend with recommend with an asterisk to people that can kind of get on the wavelength of it. If you check out the trailer and you're like in the trailer, I would say go see it, but also keep in mind that it does lean more into the comedy rather than the slasher. But I enjoyed it nonetheless. So, Yeah, I it wasn't for me, but I'm very excited to see what these cast members do in the future. So if you, the listener, saw Bodies, 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 you were interested or you want to talk about anything else, shout us out. Please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. You can go to our website, silverscreensavers.com, for more reviews, uh, more movies that we can cover on the show. If you like it, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. And our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can, where can you be found online? You can find me over at Maddie X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus. And you can find me on Letterboxd at Tyler96. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at MGallet. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay down to bone. Let the bodies, bodies, bodies hit the floor. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.